everybody. I'm Karen. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Karen. Hi, everybody. Oh, it's nice to hear voices. You don't hear voices typically on Zoom. So the, those of you in the room, thank you. And it's nice to see the waves as well. Uh, so just briefly, uh, you know, it says experience, strength, and hope, which I don't know if that means, you know, what I used to be like, what happened and what I'm like now or what. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start out with a little comment on this, whoops, reading, because... Um, one of the most important things that my sponsor, well, I have two sponsors. One of my sponsors has been talking about, we've been working together for almost 16 years now. Uh, that's astonishing. Is um, when she talks about abstinence and how she defines it, one of the first things she says is honesty. And we talk about all different kinds of honesty. You know, they talk in the 12 and 12 or the big book. I don't remember which one about cash register honesty. And, you know, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't cheat, all those kinds of things. But this is an interesting take on honesty. And as I, <laughs> in my projections myself, and I'll talk more about this as I go on, but um, lately my, my weight has gone up, which just bums me out more than I can tell you. And so the question that was going through my head as I was reading this is, you know, asking somebody, do I look fat? You know that I, I don't even like the word fat. It always gives me the willies, but I practice saying it um, or, you know, do I look OK in this or whatever? And, you know, do I really want the truth? I don't know. But yes, I think I do, because. I'm a great rationalizer. I bet we all are. Um, and uh, I have all the reasons in the world why my weight has gone up. Um, I was in a really bad car accident in December. I broke my back in three places, severed tendon in my hand, spent three weeks in the hospital, couldn't walk for a long time, could barely walk after that, can't get out of it. All these reasons, right? Also, I just had a birthday on Monday and I am older, not old, but I'm old enough that um, I actually I was talking to a, an OA friend yesterday and, and one of the things that she said to me really stood out to me. She said, I cannot eat as much as I used to. Well, problem is I'm still eating as much as I used to. So I wrote this morning, actually, I've started writing about a week or two ago. I, I started writing every morning. I missed yesterday, but almost every morning I'm writing just a little letter to God. And I wrote about, I, I'm inching in the general direction of trying to seek out assistance to create a food plan that will work for me. Uh, you know, a, a, a specific food plan other than my three meals a day, nothing in between that I've been eating for years um, and uh, and moving toward becoming more willing to do the exercises I need to do to take care of myself. And I see a, I see a pony who's having lunch or breakfast. How cool. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's jumping ahead. And let me go backwards. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1986, January of 86. So I guess that means I'm coming up on is that 36 years, 38 years, <gasps> 38 years. Oh, my goodness. I came in when I was two and a half and uh, <laughs> not true. Um, and I, I came into OA not to lose weight. I had decided at a very early age that I did not stand a chance in hell at being able to lose weight. I just couldn't do it. I come from a family of overweight people. 
my, I had a 400 pound uncle, a 300 pound grandfather. My mother and father were always over, everybody was overweight. And when I was younger and we would get together for, you know, family events um, and Jewish holidays and other such things, uh, the women would be in the kitchen cooking and talking about losing weight and eating. Men would be wherever. Um, it was just always a topic in my household. And I tried a couple of commercial weight loss type things once or twice, never succeeded. So I knew very early on that I, that I, I couldn't lose weight. Uh, so I didn't try. And I rationalized everything. I rationalized that if people didn't like me because of the way I looked, then it was their loss. That's how I, that's how I kept myself. Um, that's how I minimized the self-flagellation. Uh, but before I tell you a little bit more about my coming into OA, whoops, let me show you some photos. Let's see, we'll start there. So, this is what I looked like as a little tiny tot, the one on the left hand, my left hand side. I can't, not sure how it is for you. I looked at this little cutie little picture for years before I realized I had a Twinkie in my left hand. So there you go. So it started young. Um, in the On the right hand, I think that's a 10th grade school picture, ninth or 10th grade, probably 10th. And the reason I show this is if you look, you will see that there's not much of a smile and no light in my eyes, not any. Um, so that's uh, that's from way back when. And the picture on the right, an attempted smile, little crinkly eyes, still no light in the eyes. That's probably, that's the year after, I think, the first one. But the one on the left side, that's... Uh, my sister and, and two brothers and I, I'm the one with my hands on my hips wearing the, the, the very colorful shorts. No, no weight issue there. I look like a normal kid. Beautiful blonde hair. I vaguely remember that bathing suit. So back then I was I was kind of normal. Uh, then let me stop the share. Uh, well, normal, I, I use that term loosely. Oh, wait, hold on. I have to go here. Uh, let's see. Now to share the other photos that I have. Bear with me while I play technologically whatever. And I keep talking. Uh, back to Zoom. Share screen again. All right. So uh, the picture on, my, on the left, um, I think I look pretty good there. In fact, I didn't have clothes really that fit me because everything I had was too big. So I borrowed those pants and that belt from a sponsor. Um, and that was in 1997. Then I had a family tragedy, which I'll tell you about or not. We'll see what comes out. And you see the picture on the right hand side. That was nine years into a 10 year relapse. I didn't, before OA, I didn't know what my top weight was. Let's see, is that it? Yes, it is. I didn't know my top weight because once I, whoops, once I saw 199 pounds, I didn't step on the scale again. I didn't want to know. I wore bigger clothes, so I must have been heavier than that, but I don't know. I was abstaining for about 12 and a half years, uh, and my youngest brother was murdered by his wife and the man she was having an affair with, and that set me off into a 10-year relapse. That's why I said in that photo, nine of 10 years 
that was taken uh, ninth of, uh, into the 10 year relapse. I wanna emphasize for those of you who might be in relapse or having issues with food or weight, in that entire 10 years, I never stopped coming to meetings. I was at meetings all the time because I knew that, that the only place that I was gonna find any kind of recovery was in meetings. And I remember back in the old days, back when all this happened, people tended to stay away from people in relapse uh, sometimes. And I think that may still be the case. I don't know, we haven't had in-person meetings on a regular basis for a while, but I'm here to tell you that relapse is not contagious. So if you know somebody who is in relapse or having difficulty with food, they need you to be near them, not to stay away from them. They need you to love and support them, not stay away from them. I know that because me, that was me. And I'm gonna to read to you one of the things that I, one of the little readings that I love so much and why I kept going to meetings. And this is from the Overeaters Anonymous book, the third edition, which looks like this. It's on page 22 but I'm reading it out of the pocket reference for OA members, which I carry around with me all the time. This is actually my third copy. I think my first one is so tattered and so beat up. Anyway, this is this is my second one. You can see it's held together with tape and all beat up. I love it. Anyway, the reading is, if you remove your body from the truth, when you are ready, the truth is nowhere to be found. But if you continue to bring your body to the truth, then when you are ready, the truth is there waiting for you. 10 minutes. Thank you. And in that truth, our promise of recovery, sorry, and that truth, our promise of recovery is in every OA meeting when we join hands, pray together, and joyously, lovingly encourage one another, keep coming back. So no matter where you are, no matter where I am, I go to meetings. I have to. I have to. Um, <clears throat> so since I didn't talk about what I used to be like, what happened and what I'm like now, I guess I'll talk about how I work the program today. And we'll see where I end up. I will also tell you that whenever I'm going to lead a meeting, I take a, a step aside. I take a few minutes. I take a deep breath or two or seven I say the serenity prayer and I ask God to remove me and help me to say what needs to be said to be of service to him and the people in the room. And so that's, I'm fortunate enough to know that uh, that's sometimes what, ha what happens. And I don't know if I'm the only person distracted by um, the activity in the horse grooming. So I wonder if it's okay to just turn off that video for a bit. Uh, Lance, can you do that? I could probably do it too. It's just, I keep looking at the horse and the grooming. I mean, I can do it if you can't, because I'm, I'm also a co-host. There we go. Thank you. I'm sorry, Terry. I'm just, I'm too easily distracted. I hope you can still hear me okay. Because um, I'd much rather watch you groom your horse than talk <laughs> and feed and all that. So um, my recovery has been very different over the years. Uh, there have been times when I've been so in tune with the rhythms of my higher power, 
I have sanity, I have serenity, I have weight loss, I have physical, spiritual, emotional recovery, and everything is easy. There have been times like that. Then there have been times where one of those three legs of the stool, physical, spiritual, or emotional, break or crack, or I just turn away from them. Right now, for, well, I was away last, I was away this past week, well, just this past week, because I, I was celebrating my birthday. So I got out of the rhythm that I had got into, which was every morning I read, uh, I read a selection from As Bill Sees It, and that my, <clears throat> my sec, I have two sponsors, I told you, my step sponsor and I, we go through this one reading every day. And this is after having read some outside literature and going through it a page at a time, having read the big book up to doing the inventory um, and really digging into the literature. I love literature studies. I love literature books. I love literature meetings. Oh, that was a redundant, wasn't it? A literature book. Um, I also read for today. This is, it doesn't look like for today because I've got a really cool little cover on it, but it's my for today. And what I started doing maybe two or three weeks ago, as I mentioned, is I write a little bit every morning. I've heard people say, people have really great recovery, that they get up, they say their prayers, which I do, and they do any, a number of things, and they write. So in the last, as I say, a couple of weeks, I've been writing a little bit in my compos composition book. And sometimes it's a letter to God. Sometimes it's a reflection on what I've read in here. And then I read it to my sponsor. I do that every morning now or almost every morning. I'm not perfect. Lord knows. Then I go about my day. I have my breakfast. I've had the same breakfast for years. I love my breakfast. My lunch and my dinner aren't the same every day. Um, that's fine. Before I go to bed at night, for a long time, I was sending one email every night to my longtime sponsor, telling her everything I ate that, that day. Boy, and if you told me, you know, 20 years ago that I was going to write down my food and send it to somebody, I would tell, I, there were things in my life I thought I would never tell anybody how much money I make, how much I eat, how much, or what I eat and what I weigh. Nobody ever got to know that. Nope. I didn't even want to know personally, except for the money I made part. Um, but in this email at night, I write down, you know, my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner. Um, I've been doing a thing called Today's Little Victory. And I write down five things I'm grateful for. Abstinence is always number one. Five minutes. Thank you. I've been doing that for almost, so February, I've been doing that for 16 years. In fact, I've been abstaining now, actually, I should say, since my relapse uh, ended. Uh, it's it, February will be 16 years that I'm breakfast, lunch, and dinner, nothing in between, except if there's going to be a long time between breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner, I will text my sponsor and say, I'm going to have an apple or a packet of almonds because I don't want to get so hungry that I make up for it, at, you know, that I eat like a crazy woman because I know how to eat like a crazy woman. I bet everybody on this Zoom knows how to eat like a crazy woman or a crazy gentleman or a crazy man, I suppose, we don't eat like ladies and we don't eat like gentlemen uh, when we're left to our own devices, at least in my experience. About uh, the other thing I do is almost every weekday morning for probably 25 years, 
20 years, I've been calling another member of the fellowship. She's not my sponsor. I don't sponsor her, but it's our, it's our, it's our everyday weekday morning check-in just to say hi. So I have contact with somebody outside of myself, a program person. Um, and about a couple of years ago, she said, you know, I've started sending three gratitudes to a fellow every night. Do you want to do that? So I send three gratitudes to her in addition to my email to my sponsor. And about three weeks ago or a month ago, whatever, I also started sending uh, an email to my step sponsor. So every it takes me forever to go to bed. And sometimes I just want to think, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. I will tell you with some degree of pride and ego and some degree of gratitude <laughs> that I have never in 15 and a half years missed a night of sending an email to my sponsor. Never missed it. When I had to have surgery, I would dictate my email. I had shoulder surgery. I dictated it to my wife who typed it so I could send it to my sponsor. When I was in the hospital after this car accident in December, I talked into my phone or my iPad or whatever I had and sent it to my sponsor. I am not telling you that I've done this every single night for 16, almost, well, 15 and a half years. So, so you'll think that I'm hip slick and cool. I'm not. I have hips. That's as close as I get to that. But I don't miss a night. And I work my ass off not to miss a night because I'm afraid that if I miss one night, I will give myself permission to miss others. Oh, well, I've already blown my streak. So what the hell? It's the same thing of the old thinking of, well, I already ate this one cookie. I might as well go ahead and finish the whole package. It's that all or nothing thinking. So I try to guard against that. I'll talk a little bit about, about higher power. When I first came into program, I knew there was a, such a thing as a God, although I didn't really know what it was. I, I had kind of a bargaining God. If I do this, then God will do that. If I do something good, God will reward me. If I do something bad, God will punish me. That's kind of how I, how I rolled when I was before program and even in my early days. And when I came into the fellowship um, and started listening to people talk and, and hearing this thing about this third step, oh gosh, I have to turn my will and my life over to something. I didn't quite feel ready to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. It took me a while to get there. So the beginning for me, it was, I turned my will and my life over to the care of the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And I can see myself sitting in meetings, Palms Park in West LA, which was the first meeting I ever went to, Serenity Sunday, Kitchen Sink, all the meetings. I started out in, in Los Angeles in, in OA. I'm now, I now live in Eagle Rock, so I'm part of the Foothill Intergroup. Um, but I, I remember sitting in meetings and looking around the room and thinking, here is a room full of people who are in various stages of recovery. They are certainly a power greater than me. And by the way, I firmly believe that everybody I see, I have 29 seconds left, or is that 29 seconds till I get to three minutes? 29 seconds left. Okay, so I'll just finish by saying, I am a firm believer that anybody who is in an OA meeting, as all of you are, are in some stage of recovery right now. Whether you binge before the meeting or you binge after the meeting, right now, 
you are in some degree of recovery because you're here. And I, I don't say that lightly. I think that's really, really true. So I congratulate and commend every one of you for being here. I am grateful you are here and gave me a chance to speak. I believe that I was all over the place, but c'est la vie. It, it was God speaking, not me, I think. Is there humility in that statement? I don't know. I hope so. But as they say, it is what it is and it was what it was. Thank you all for listening. And I believe my time is up. Thank you so much.